Hello, my name is Lisa Urquhart and welcome to this Optimum Strategic Communications podcast looking at the International Day of Women and Girls in Science. This is an annual event highlighting achievements and contribution of women and girls in science, technology, engineering and maths, or STEM for short. And joining me as part of this celebration and to talk about their careers in STEM are Lene Gerlach, partner at Ear Ventures and chairperson of the WILD Network, which stands for Women in Life Sciences Denmark. Rene Lukanda, CEO at Caladitas Therapeutics. Bita Sihat, Senior Investment Director at Trill Impact Ventures. And Nina Strokorossen, CEO and founder of MetSystem. So thank you for all for joining me today. So can you all tell me a little bit about your backgrounds and how you all got started in STEM? Can I start with you, Bita? Yes, of course. I'm a researcher by training. I did uh, my PhD at Karolinska Institute, followed by two postdocs. The goal was to become a prof before age of 40. I was bored actually by the second postdoc and I did an MBA and that was my pivot to the industry. I did short round in investment banking, consulting and ended up in venture. And what about you, Nina? I think I was always kind of brought up on STEM. I come from Denmark, so we have Lego Technic and then we got David Attenborough in from England. I kind of had a curiosity-led introduction to academia, so it was anything I could get my hands on, and the Danish government supports that sort of thing. So I ended up with two masters and two bachelors and a PhD in different things, ranging from biophysics to maths and, and so on. So I took a very academic, fundamental approach to research for most of my PhD, and then I switched into more applied and then translational in my two postdocs at Columbia and Stanford. And then lately, uh, we have taken that the last translational step into commercializing uh, our cutting-edge technology so that it can actually benefit patients. So fairly new to the industry. But quite an impressive sounding CV anyway. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I've been so, looking. Rene, uh, could you give me a brief introduction to your background as well? Sure. So, I've been a CEO of um, Caledas Therapeutics, which focuses on rare diseases. Um, we've actually been pioneering globally a, a treatment for rare kidney disease. We're actually the first uh, company ever to actually have a kind of a disease-modifying treatment for a kidney disease called IgA nephropathy. Prior to being a CEO here, I probably come at STEM more from an application perspective. I've always been interested in innovation, making things better, improving things. So I don't come from the academic side, but actually, so I spent about 12 years on the investment side in life sciences prior to taking up my CEO post. Prior to that, I spent another 12 years really kind of in the financial industry, raising capital in healthcare and technology. So that's really my background. And last but not least, what about you, Lene? <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I guess I've always been interested in math. I've been good in math, maybe because of my dad was a, an engineer. And then I've always been very curious, uh, curious about myself and how the body works. So I, I ended up studying molecular biology and math at the Roskilde University in Denmark. So I got a bachelor in that, and then I, I realized that the, what I really was close to my heart was the biology of the human. So I, I changed to uh, human biology and got a PhD in, in neuroscience and also did a, a postdoc a couple of years. And then I realized, you know, that the, how could this uh, science and all these results that I generated, how could that benefit society? 
because there's so much good research going on uh, in academia. And uh, I realized uh, there that this is my life vision and this is what I've been working for ever since to make this good research um, that is uh, conducted at the universities make society benefit from that. So I, ever since my postdoc, the last 22 years, I've been working in various roles in the life science industry, but primarily helping researchers incorporate companies based on their academic research. And now the last 10 years, uh, helping them financing this. And then I'm also a mentor. I've been in uh, 35 uh, boards. So, um, so I'm also a mentor for talented women, younger women. I've started uh, Women in Life Science Denmark, and we have uh, now uh, got grants, and we have launched a mentor program for talented women in Denmark. Brilliant. By the sounds of things, you've all got, you know, varying amounts of experience and, you know, sort of years across the industry. So I'm curious to ask you, what has changed in the years that you've been all, I mean, you've got various points of your careers, but what do you think has changed in terms of the number of women you're seeing coming through in STEM? And, you know, are they very different from where you were at the beginning of your career? Has the change been as fast as you'd like to see it? I mean, I think we have come a long way if we think historically, not in the past 10 years. I I wouldn't say that. I mean, we're still talking about um, 80% of investors within the VC round being yeah. men, 70% being white. So there's, we have a long way to go. But also I do remember, I mean, Mina Bissell uh, was one of my mentors when I was in academia. And I mean, she's been nominated for Nobel Prize and, and all that. And she was always sharing her stories when she entered academia. It was in the 60s. And she said, when I interviewed for my postdoc, I was pregnant. It didn't show. When I showed up, I was pregnant and it showed and I got fired on the spot. I mean, luckily that's illegal today. <laughs> so things has happened, but it's going slower than we want. But I would usually just to get, I think it's important to, in this conversation for us women to take our power back and thinking that we're standing on the shoulder of giants. We are paving the way for the next generation and we have changed society. But is it as fast as we would like to see it? I don't think so. Anybody else like to chime in, in terms of, you know, the pace of change or any positives that you've seen? Or as Beta pointed out, still some negatives? Well, I think Beta is right that um, there's certainly more of an emphasis on it today than it was when I started out. I'm a little sad to say I, I kind of recognize that story, that similar things have happened to me, where um, I was made aware that a final decision maker in a hiring situation had decided against it because of my age and the fact that I could just end up pregnant at any time. Uh, It's a sad thing to hear, but I think what the nice thing is that everyone is outraged when they hear this. So be that on your behalf, I'm very outraged about it. But the more that people are outraged about it, the more we choose not to go and work such places, right? I'm thankful that somebody told me, what if I had been hired? And oh my God, I decided to have a baby. And so on. So I think it's very encouraging that the outrage that people are feeling. But yeah, the, for sure, the emphasis is there. I mean, I do. I would agree in terms of the fact that obviously we have made great strides. Actually, you do have to look back quite afar in order to kind of see those strides. I agree with that. But I do think even just kind of having. I mean, I think that women. There's always kind of been women in science, 
But I think the question is how many women are actually in leadership positions in science? And I think that's really where it feels like we probably haven't made as much progress as we should have. You know, it is great to see female-led funds, female-led investors, female-led companies. And so I think we are seeing more and more of it. And maybe we should just try to make it more visible. Maybe also our own perception is that there hasn't, maybe there hasn't been that much progress, maybe because we don't see it as much. Maybe it's not promoted as much as it maybe should be. And maybe that would all make us feel a bit better about the fact that that there has been progress at least uh, made. Okay, so maybe more promotion of our success stories. But I'd like to talk to you, Lena, I'll ask you a question. You've obviously, it sounds like you're trying to do your own making strides with the Wild Network and um, other initiatives. In fact, you said that you've, you've, you know, you've been a great mentor across the years. I mean, is there anything that we could be doing to perhaps accelerate the change that everybody on this podcast seems to want to see? Whether we want to accelerate the change, yeah, this is how we can accelerate the change. How we can? I'm sure we all want to, but how do we accelerate the change? Yes, yes. Um, I think the one of the most important thing is the unconscious bias that there is. Uh, You know, the general perception of a a CEO or leader is still a man. So. To be aware of the unconscious bias that is everywhere and also in our own perception and understanding. And maybe I can share just a brief story that has uh, the teaching in our upbringing has always been that, you know, the primitive human in the Stone Age there, the man was a hunter and the women were the gatherers. But actually, it turns out now with a lot of scientific studies all over the world that this is not true, that in the Stone Age, which constitutes 90% of the time humankind has been on Earth, one third of all the hunters were women, and they were also handling the big weapons and killing the big animals. So the whole storytelling that we have been told that we are gatherers and the, the man is the brave and the courageous, he go out and kills the big animals, that's simply not true. So there's a lot of bias. So we need to find the inner Stone Age hunter in ourselves and be brave and courageous. And then more more visibility on all the unconscious bias that there is in society against women as top leaders. So, I mean, one of the things that you've all kind of, I think, briefly touched on, and I mean, I think you also talking about Selenius, but is mentorship. And also another term I learned the other day, sponsorship. It's not just about like, you know, taking some young women. It's also promoting other women and talking them up in public spaces. I mean, how important do you think that is in terms of trying to attract or getting more women into, as we talked about, senior positions, not just into STEM, but into senior positions and promoted? Bita, you look, you're nodding. So do you want to say something on that? Yeah. I mean, that's always been my number of advice to anybody who, who asked for it. I've always had mentors and I think it's good to have mentors also outside your field. It gives you absolutely perspective. Sponsors, as you say, they should be within your field. You know, somebody that walks in the rooms that you don't have access to and talks well about you. But multiple mentors, because I mean, also something I've noticed is that the advice is always based on a very personal um, experience. And that makes sense. And just to have access to multiple source of advice it's been always helpful for me I, I don't think you can make it without it actually i'm a firm believer i mean i would say that actually one of the things that i found in general with 
many other women that I've mentored and, and in many other in, you know, environments is that women tend to, at least, you know, my experience is a lot of times they're very task oriented, right? They do something extremely well. You know, they focus on the task. They want to do it well. It's supposed to be perfect. You know, they're very, very good at delivering on the actual kind of subject that's being put in front of them. But the problem to some extent is that if you have that without the sponsorship, without the actual visibility, it actually doesn't weigh that heavily. So I think a lot of women think like, I'll just do something perfectly well. If I get 100% on the test, then actually that's going to solve itself. And the problem is that doesn't solve itself. You still actually have to tell people that you got 100% on the test because no one else is going to tell them. So I think it's this combination of that networking, talking to people, doing all of this kind of other things in addition to kind of focusing on the task and doing well and getting things right, et cetera. That is something that for whatever reason, whether women are not being taught it or whether it's not considered to be the right thing to do, or there's something about that whole cultural envelope that seems to be one of the biggest problems, funnily enough, that I run into in this whole situation, that there seems to be a lot of bias in terms of how men and women attack these things, and they seem to be quite different. Can I just add something? I 100% agree with you, but I have to share a story. I was in the job interview, and then one of the things that when people ask me, so what has sort of your PhD taught you, I always talk about humbleness. You get humble when you're 90% of the time wrong. So I was talking about myself, and I come to this point, and I mentioned it when he asked it, and he said, the interviewer then said, you talk about uh, humbleness, but you don't sound so humble. And I'm like, but the subject matter is me. I happen to be expert on it. That's why I'm sharing it. Going back to Lina's point, it's also the unconscious bias that when we self-promote, that's also fraud upon. And it was very interesting when the, it was the female partner in the room who defended me and said, but if she was a male, would you say the same thing? And I think it's for me, it's like self-promotion together with the women backing women up, even when we don't know each other. I think that's why we're a little bit more shy to self-promote. But you're 100% right that we don't do as much. Nina, did you have anything to add? Yeah, it's just a fun beta because I've heard the same comment on me that uh, that I'm not humble. So that could also be the unconscious uh, bias that when women promote themselves or express themselves as experts, then uh, we, we are not perceived as humble. But to add upon what could also be done in an organization is to establish an inclusive culture, of course, that the leadership, it has to come from top management, that, that they really commit to having a, a, a more gender diversity in, in, in top management. Uh, also flexible work arrangements. So we know that women are still more caretakers of their, or caring for the kids at home. So more flexible work arrangements and then training and development, and also diverse hiring practices. So there's a lot of things that companies can do to get more women in, in top management. Okay. Um, Nina, did you have anything to add on sponsorship? Or if not, I suppose we can slightly maybe pivot towards something that Lena picked up on, which was the idea of diversity and inclusion. So I don't know if you want to tackle either one of those. Well, I don't know if I call it mentorship or sponsorship, but just surrounding yourself with people who stimulate you and who you have great times and conversations with, not particularly 
women especially, it's just really mm. anyone who broadens your yeah. mind and is supportive of where, what you're trying to do or comfortable enough with you to challenge it. And I think Lena is right that there are many things that we can do. And I think it may be time for some of the more carrot oriented things, such as uh, parental leave, call it parental leave, you know, acknowledge that it takes two people or more to raise a child, or if it's just one person, you know, giving the space and the support from the community and the workplace and everything else to, to do that. It's about creating the same expectations of everyone, regardless of gender, and then valuing all of the individuals as it is. I think people are, if they make the mistake of making a, a space that is not inclusive or where people don't feel comfortable sharing their experiences and their thoughts and their uh, expertise like PETA has, then you're really losing out as a group because that's why you hired them in the first place, right? So, I mean, have you, um, any of you encountered any positive examples of inclusion? I don't want this all to sound very negative. I mean, you know, we are unhumble women and proud of it. But are there examples where we have seen good examples of inclusion and also maybe diversity initiatives? I've actually been incredibly fortunate because I believe a lot of people have paved the way for my work experiences to have been so welcoming and so positive. And people have always listened to what I had to say, not who said it. And I am particularly fond of our new setting, which is the Bioinnovation Institute and uh, with Novo Nordisk Foundation. So historically, they've had like, three different branches of, of funding medtech, planetary health, and therapeutics, and now they've added femtech. And I was a little astounded and very, very quickly educated about this issue that uh, most of the drugs that we have were not tested on women for the best of purposes, right? They wanted to save them and, and not put them at risk. But it just means that most of our old drugs, we have no idea how that affects the female anatomy. I just love the fact that somebody saw that as an issue and then created an instrument to address it. And that sort of oath and can-do attitude that I, I feel is very pervasive in the, at least in the world around me. I'm very proud to see those initiatives coming around. Anybody else or is Nina in a fortunate position? I, no, actually, I, I would say, I mean, my dad uh, was a feminist when he was in life and, and he brought us up, all of us, with this sort of a toolkit. And I usually say men have been always my strongest sponsors and my strongest mentors. There is not to sort of blame a group of people, but rather just say there is systemic issues we have that, that we can solve. But in terms of being fortunate enough to have men backing me up, I think absolutely 100% I, I, I second that. And I would agree with that, actually. I think that there are many men in my career who've been actually very, very helpful and supportive and as mentors in terms of, to Vita's point, actually speaking about me in other rooms where I may not have had access. And I think that really is very important. And I think that certainly has happened. And funnily enough, I would actually say that there are many men who've been bigger supporters than women in senior positions as I've actually kind of gone. This is, you know, it's a little, I'm mean, a little different generation almost than Nina. So maybe, but at least from, from my perspective, there weren't that many women as I kind of went through my career at all, but I wouldn't say that all of them were particularly supportive actually throughout that. So I think actually a lot of men have been extremely supportive and I think it is important, I think, for women in senior positions to actually have 
you know, their near network, whether that is parents or husbands or boyfriends or whatever it might be, other partners. Uh, but I think having that kind of, you know, support, I think is important for anyone who's going to, you know, aspire to a leadership position. So I think that is important also to acknowledge that obviously I'm sure we all have support systems of one way or another that's allowed us to kind of get into these positions. That nicely brings me towards a couple of final questions. So in terms of leadership, I mean, you're all obviously leaders in your field. What sort of leadership qualities are important for you as leaders? And are they different for women in STEM? So do you have to have different leadership qualities or it doesn't matter, a good leader is a good leader? To get the benefits from diversity, it's really important to have inclusive leadership. And there's uh, six signature traits that are describing an inclusive leader. And that's uh, visible commitment to diversity, humility that we have talked about earlier, awareness of bias, uh, the unconscious bias, and then curiosity about others, asking questions, you know, when you experience that, that other persons are different than you, and then cultural intelligence, so being aware of other cultures and, and their values, and then effective collaboration. So this is describing the inclusive uh, leader. And there's actually a study on 62 R&D teams showing that when you have inclusive leadership, then your performance increases up to 20%. This is a new study on, on uh, R&D teams from uh, six pharma companies. And when you don't have inclusive leadership, then you have better performance you ha the higher diversity you have. So diversity is a, can be a bad thing for performance if you don't have the inclusive leadership. I, I think a good leader is a good leader. It's about actually caring about people and trusting them. And then when you, in, in my experience, when you take a chance on people, they surprise you in the best way. So having said that, however, I think representation in position of power is fundamental. I mean, to Renee's point, um, we've, I, I'm sure we all experienced when women closed door on us rather than men doing so. And it, was, it comes from almost, I believe, this unconscious bias. There is room only for one of us. So it becomes competitive. So I see as my responsibility and as all of our responsibility to actually open doors. There are two things that are close to my heart, um, equality and also diversity, to actually open doors, give more chances, be go into the role of mentorship, even when we are um, not asked to do so. But a good leader is a good leader. And as we said, men have sponsored us also. And I would agree that a leader is a good leader. I don't think that there are specific qualities for women or men uh, as a leader. But I do think that irrespective of field, I would say that, you know, having clarity, clarity in terms of what are you trying to achieve? What is the strategy? You know, what do you want people to align around? I think clarity of goal and strategy is key for any leader. I think you need to communicate well in order to actually have people understand what those goals are and what you know where we're all headed. I think that's key. And then I think you have to have a certain amount of courage or fearlessness, really, because you do have to make decisions and you have to be able to be comfortable with the fact that you are making these decisions. They come from a large number of interactions and support and consensus and discussions. But ultimately, I think as a leader, you have to take the responsibility of being a leader. And therefore, also, that comes with a certain amount of acceptance of that responsibility because you are responsible for all of those people who you've kind of asked to go with you on that journey. 
And that comes, you know, again, back to being a bit humble. You have to understand what, what you know, repercussions and implications there might be uh, of making certain decisions. And I think you have to be comfortable with that because no one's going to be 100% right 100% of the time. And so that's just kind of part of the journey, I think. I could talk a lot longer, maybe in a couple of hours, but I'm sure we've got things to do today because we're busy women. But obviously, because this is about the International Day of Women and Girls in Science, what advice would you give to the, maybe the sort of like the little beaters, little Ninas, the little Linas, you know, the little Renes out there that are basically, you know, thinking about at this point, maybe, you know, I don't know, 16, 15, 16 year olds thinking about getting into STEM? What advice would you give them? Uh, Nina, do you want to start? Yes, sure. I, <laughs> I'm just trying to not sound like a motivational poster. Um, enjoying what you do and and literally find out what it is that you find passion and excitement about and then install in everyone around you, if you can, the value of the individual. Right? I mean, everyone deserves to be treated like the individual that they are and that each person can contribute with what they have and um, there should be space to explore that. Yeah, it's sounding very sort of ephemeral. I'm, I'm sure somebody else has a catchier poster. Uh, yeah, follow your passions. Yeah. And don't let anyone dictate what those passions should be. Beta? I think if you are interested and curious, go for it. A lot of young girls I meet, it just they feel like as if you have to somehow be gifted to go STEM. That's not true. You need curiosity and then you need to follow through and know that there's a place for you. And there is a genuine need for knowledge, depth of knowledge for the basis of good decision making. And that makes them perfect because there is a place for us in private sector, in government, in healthcare. It's very broad and things are only looking up for us. Don't be intimidated. Would be my Renee, a message for the little Renee? I think that, you know, messages are probably more in terms of, you know, supportive and which is you probably can do more than you think. You're probably cleverer than you think. And you definitely deserve it, you know, a place at the table. So I would say, you know, don't give up before you even tried something. So I think you should try things. Uh, and absolutely, as Nina says, I mean, following something that you're passionate about is important. But I would say that the um, the main thing really is, I think that, you know, don't be invisible uh, and don't focus on the task. And finally, you, Lenning. Yeah, I think I will go back to the Stone Age and say, remember that women have been hunters all along. We have the power, we have the courage, and we have the instincts to go out in the field and win the battle. So find your inner Stone Age hunter and Go out and get the job that you want or go out to achieve the goals uh, that you have set in the job you already have. Believe in yourself. Absolutely brilliant. I think, I mean, what better way to end this podcast for, you know, four amazing women. So thank you so much for participating and uh, happy International Day of Women and Girls in Science 2024, everybody. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Lisa. Take care. Thank you for having us. 